Hi everyone, welcome to episode 2 of Pregnancy Brain Podcast. Um, I am Sarah Jerome and I wanted to apologize. Uh, This is my first time ever doing a podcast and I'm obviously not a pro. So somehow between uh, recording and posting my first episode, I ended up cutting off the first five minutes. Uh, So I uploaded it as a separate podcast, it's only about five minutes long And it's the intro to the episode one. Um, So instead of just listening to episode one and jumping into semen, um, you get to hear a little bit about pregnancy brain and what it means. Um, If you don't want to go back and listen to it, I totally understand. Um, I'm going to reiterate right now what pregnancy brain means to me and what I hope it'll mean to other moms out there. Um, So pregnancy brain for me, I mean, I've seen it as a negative thing since I got pregnant my first time and it's kind of where you lose brain cells when you get pregnant and so you just stop being as intelligent or you start forgetting or things like that Um, and in my opinion that's not exactly how it goes in my opinion you're just a little preoccupied Um, you pay attention more to what's going on inside your body than maybe what's going on around you and I don't think that's a negative thing I think that is an incredibly positive thing I think it's awesome that women are trying to pay attention to their bodies these days and trying to figure out like the scientific facts behind everything um i think that really i really want this to become a positive thing pregnancy brain should be a positive thing and it isn't only when you're pregnant uh when you're trying to get pregnant and it's all you can think about or after you've had a baby and you're just concerned about every little thing that your baby does or everything your body is going through at that time or breastfeeding. Um, Pregnancy brain is is literally all the time. (laughs) So um, it's not something that you grow out of or that goes away. So keep that in mind too. Um, All right, uh, so jumping into things today, I wanted to talk a little bit about your due dates. and why they frustrate me so much. So for my first child, uh, my average cycle was 43 days long when I got pregnant. And I didn't know what that meant in terms of my pregnancy. Um, And I still really don't have any facts on that. There are no studies. Nothing's really solid and nothing changes because your cycle length, even though in my opinion it should. So I was given a due date from my doctor off of this little cycle wheel, and it's all based on a 28-day cycle. As you can imagine, 43 days is a lot longer than 28. Um, So in my opinion, and kind of thinking about how my pregnancy and my birth the first time around played out, I I think my son was premature. Um, He was due in the 38th week according to the due date they gave me Um, but I do believe he was probably three weeks almost four weeks premature or early Um, he didn't pass his APGAR test he got like a five out of ten they had to do his hearing test multiple times Um, he was only seven pounds four ounces he had tons of lanugo when he came out Um, he was a hairy little beast uh, he, yeah, he just, he wasn't as healthy as I thought he should have been. Um, if he were closer to his due date, I feel like he would have 
matured a little bit and lost some of that extra hair. Um, and you probably would have been a super healthy little boy. Um, and it kind of goes into his childhood, too, because they thought they they tried to test him for th thyroid issues and iron deficiency from basically it's two months of life until a year. Uh, and that was because he was growing so slowly and he was gaining weight super slowly. He was honestly, when he was born, he was like muscle and skin. So he had a lot of like saggy baggy skin, like a little elephant. It was adorable. Um, he wasn't chunky at all. It was thick. He was, he was pretty small. Um, but he did, he did grow a little bit slow. He gained weight slowly, but he also didn't eat a lot. He, he brought, he breastfed only when he was awake, which was probably like four or five times a day from the beginning of his life. He slept all the time. Um, and I don't remember really in my second what cycle length I was at, even though that's when I tried. My first one was a complete surprise. The second one, me and my husband were trying. Uh, and I don't, I don't remember my cycle length. I remember we missed my fertile period the first month we were trying. And then got it the second month and got pregnant, so it was pretty easy. Um, but I do remember going to a doctor in Riverside when we lived out there. And they gave me a December 11th due date. And then moving, we moved to Ventura County, uh, Ventura, and changed doctors. And I think my first appointment with him was probably like six months. It was pretty far in. And he changed my due date to December 1st. And again, like I'm not a pro at giving birth or being a mother or any of that nonsense. Um... So I didn't know how big of a deal it was going to be that he changed my due date. I was kind of stoked because I know the end of pregnancy is kind of a pain in the butt. But then when I neared the end of my pregnancy, I got really upset because he said, oh, so your due date's December 1st and I'm not going to let you go past December 14th. So you're going to come in and get induced on December 7th. And so I went in on December 7th, and I remember, like, I'm not ready. I don't want to do this. He's like, well, we're going to give you medicine. I'm like, I don't take medicine. I do natural, drug-free childbirth, and I know if you give me something, you're going to have to follow it up with something else, and it's going to be this rolling ball of fire, basically, that's going to put me either in an emergency C-section or with an epidural. And I, ha I knew my baby wasn't ready. Because he wasn't trying to get out. So I basically shut down that day and I told the doctor no. And I said, what's the latest you'll let me come in? And he said December 14th. Because most doctors will only allow you to go two weeks after your due date. And that, keep in mind, was the due date he gave me. Not my initial due date. Which was December 11th. Which was basically two weeks after the due date he gave me. So that was frustrating and... In December 13th, um, I remember talking to my my son in my belly. His name was Riley. It's Riley. Um, and I was telling him, like, hey, you know, ready or not, here you come. So please, 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 please get ready. Um, and sure enough, I woke up the next morning. My appointment to go in was at 7. And I woke up at, like, 3 in the morning with contractions. Um, so I walked around the house, cleaned a little bit, did things. We didn't get to the hospital till like 6.30, uh, and I was in full-blown labor. I was at seven and a half centimeters in May, 
therapist admitted me so they didn't have to induce me, which was fantastic because that meant I could labor on my own. I didn't have to worry about all this intervention and getting drugs. Um, so that was a relief. But I also think that was because of my, my cycle length. I think that he was trying to um, make me give birth two weeks before I was ready, two weeks before my baby was ready. And so this time around, um, I my cycle was 45-day average, which is seriously ridiculously long. I'm pretty lucky. Um, so we started trying... Um, we were gonna try in September and my, my fertile window was the fur or yeah, the second until like the ninth. And I started ovulating early because induced ovulation from the last podcast, um, and got pregnant right away. And according to all my ovulation tracking and whatnot, I would have been ovulating probably on the 30th of August. And if you put in a conception calculator, uh, a due date calculator based on conception, then my due date would be May 23rd. But it's really hard to track that way. Um, So I put in my due date uh, calculator from the first day of my last menstrual cycle, which was like the 7th of August, and my due date jumped up to May 14th. So right now I'm sitting pretty with my little trackers as a May 14th due date and one of the reasons why I did that was (laughs) because having the date of conception calculator it kept saying oh you don't know you're pregnant yet you don't know you're pregnant yet and I'm like well yeah I do actually (laughs) so it was kind of frustrating because I'm like no like I am pregnant like I already know this Um, so I figured if I changed it then I'd be able to track like maybe a little bit more accurate of where I'm at. Um, I have had symptoms for the last two weeks, so I feel like it. it there's no compromise when it comes to the due date calculator. Uh, so my my due date right now, I'm gonna keep the May 14th, but uh, I don't plan on going through with a doctor or a hospital with this pregnancy. Um, I don't want them to basically control when my baby comes out. I, I don't believe in that. I want this time around to be even more natural than the rest of them. I plan on finding a midwife. Um, I'll probably end up relocating during this pregnancy because my husband is joining the Navy. Uh, so I don't want to jump into a midwife right away. I'm probably going to go with a doctor at first and then change to a midwife once we relocate. And I'm hoping, because most midwives are more open-minded about due dates. They'll take into account your previous pregnancies. They'll take into account your menstrual cycle. And honestly, they'll just listen to you because you're the mom and you know what's going on in your body. So I'm really hoping that I'll be able to let my midwife know at some point, hey, like, this is when I got pregnant. This is how long my average cycle was. Uh, This is when I think I'm going to be due. So put down all my paperwork this time so that if there is a state law that controls how far past the due date I go that I have to go to a hospital, then it won't happen because it'll be, okay, so your due date will be like June 1st, we'll say. And I shouldn't go past June 1st because that's about the time that I should be due. And this is my third child and realistically it should walk out on its own, right? (laughs) 
so that's kind of like the frustrating aspect of due dates for me. And I've tried, I found some study um, a long time ago from way, 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 way back in the day. And it gave me specific like um, gestation periods based on menstrual cycles. And it did show that most women who had longer menstrual cycles had a longer period of gestation. Um, so there was a correlation in that study, but it never really went anywhere. It never broke ground. It's not anything that anybody pays attention to. Um, but there is this really cute article on what to expect. Um, and I'll post the link on my website. But it's basically due date predictor, take menstrual cycle into account. And it was published in 2015. Um, I don't see a name on here of who published it. But it basically talks about the opposite of what my problem is. So my cycle is too long. The lady who wrote this article, her cycle is 22 days. So when her doctor gave her her due date, I think it says in here, um, her due date was... Hmm. Maybe it doesn't say. She she basically says that she gives birth a whole week earlier than somebody with a regular cycle because her cycle is shorter than regular. Um, and okay, so for, yeah, for her first baby, her due date was June 3rd. And she calculated she was due on May 28th. And she gave birth on May 29th. And then her current pregnancy, the doctor has her due date as January 14th, but she thinks she's going to go um, on January 8th. And I'd love to, like, check in with her and see if that actually happened. But, I mean, it really does make a difference. So don't let, don't let doctors control your due date. Because what's going to happen is, if you haven't seen The Business of Being Born, go see it. Um, because basically it's a spiral effect. They want the baby out by a certain time. Sometimes they force you to go sooner because it's measuring too big. Realistically, they can't get an accurate measurement of the baby while it's in your uterus, in your belly. So um, they might estimate it to be, a, oh, it's a nine pound baby, but really it's like an eight one and you can push out an eight one. Um, and what they try to do is they try to speed up the process by intervening. They'll try to swipe your membrane or sweep, sorry, sweep your membranes. Um, they'll try to give you Pitocin or there's this thing that they put in your cervix to ripen your cervix. There's all sorts of things they can do now. But what they don't really tell you is that getting one of those things done leads to another thing that has to be done, which leads to another thing, which leads to an epidural or an emergency C-section. And sometimes, yes, it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes for the women who are actually ready, it speeds up the process and they give natural birth, no biggie. But um, the majority of the time it does, it causes either you to require an epidural just for the safety purpose that they tell you about, or it requires an emergency C-section. So I would warn all uh, new moms out there to make sure you, you, you can control your due date a little bit. Um, don't let them give you the, well, your due date is this, t this day because your cycle, your last cycle was on this day because that is not accurate. Um, 
So hopefully you'll find a doctor that'll work with you. And if you don't find a doctor, I would strongly suggest finding a midwife. Um, although I have given birth twice in hospitals without drugs, but I was on a, um, I was on an IV for fluids, so I wouldn't get dehydrated, which meant I couldn't move around a lot. I would plateau at a certain centimeter. First, it was five centimeters. My second center was seven and a half. So they had to break my water. Um, so those are even interventions that I don't want to have again. And they weren't bad experiences by any means. Um, I would do it again, but I don't want to. I want to see what my body can do on its own. Because after my first, I didn't think I could get past five on my own. And I ended up at seven and a half walking into the hospital. So I'd really like to see where my body takes me this next time around. I want my water to break on its own, um, which is a cool thing I learned recently, uh, is that you actually have two like fluid sacs. So women who get the trickle, where it like, feels like maybe they've peed a little bit in their underwear throughout the day, but it's really amniotic fluid, um, there's a second sac in there. So like, they're... they're the movie gushes that happen, that's real. Like the, the second sack has that gush. And I, I'm super excited to feel that because I know with my first, I, I remember when they broke my water and it just gushed out. The second time, there wasn't quite as much fluid. Also probably because my first was premature and my second wasn't. Um, so there wasn't as big of a gush, but there was still a ton of fluid in there. Um, so I want to have that moment where I'm like walking through the grocery store and it's just like, oops, sorry, clean up in aisle four. <laughs> I would love that. So hopefully I get that this time. Hopefully I have a midwife and they let me just do my own thing and labor on my own. Uh, that's really what I'm looking forward to this time. Um, I I do want to touch a little touch base a little bit about the You Go Girl that I want to get started. Uh, if you listen to my first podcast, I talked about some mommy shaming that I noticed was happening um, that I really don't think should happen. And I read an article that popped up on Facebook today about like 15 celebrities who lied about what actually happened at their birth. Um, some of them, some of them were like, oh, well, we think Coco didn't give birth. We think she had a surrogate. So some of them are like BS because um, we don't have fact on that or proof on that. But some of them were like, hey, I had to have an emergency C-section the first time, and I told everybody I had natural birth. And four years later, after I had natural birth of my second child, I finally admitted that my first was a C-section. And I, I don't think we should be ashamed of how our birth stories go. Um, because honestly, it's not our birth story. It's that child's birth story. So... It's not anything that you can control or that you should be ashamed of or, I mean, it's, it's natural. It's something that just happens and sometimes it doesn't happen the way you want it to and sometimes it hap doesn't happen the way maybe family around you or people around you want it to or it doesn't happen as expected, but that doesn't make it bad and it doesn't make it wrong and I really feel like women should try to support the fact that you know, this is your child's birth story. And there's nothing more beautiful than the way they came in. Nothing. Even if it was horrible and painful and 
disgusting. Like, honestly, what birth isn't horrible and painful and disgusting. Like, that's what birth is. And don't judge other moms because maybe they couldn't give natural birth. My mom, I don't know if I believe her now, but my mom had to have six C-sections because her she had an immature pelvis bone. Um, she's got some wide hips on her, though. And I have the same body type, and except I'm like three inches taller than her. And my babies slide out no problem. So, uh, but hey, that's her. She was never ashamed. She's got like three huge scars down there to prove it. Uh, her last child, she was in menopause when she got pregnant. And that was a mess. She was in the hospital as soon as she found out she was pregnant, basically, because... I, I want to say Mally kept trying to put her into preterm labor and she was not ready and she bled a ton. It was, it was the scariest thing ever, but my little sister came early and she was tiny and she had some breathing issues and other typical like super preemie issues, but now she's a healthy 13 year old girl, um, just like every other 13 year old girl going through struggles with authority and wanting to do her own thing all the time so just because that pregnancy and that birth was different than her others doesn't make it any less valuable um, and it doesn't it doesn't really define what's going to happen to that child in my opinion so my I mean my first I'm pretty sure he was at least three to four weeks preg uh, premature and he was a slow grower and now he's huge he's he just turned five yesterday and he's already in the 50th percentile for height for boys his age. Uh, and he's very athletic. And my youngest, he was born at 8-1. And he, all of my kids come out pretty skinny. None of them have rolls. Um, so he was pretty thin. And he's chubby now. He's got a big old belly. But he doesn't have any, like, arm fat or leg fat. It's just a big old belly and a big old head. Um... But really, I mean, how they come out doesn't define who they're going to be or how they're going to be when they get older. So just keep that in mind. Although I have heard that there is a correlation between how, um, like, your birth goes and the personality of the child. So if, I mean, if that's accurate, I guess my first came kind of slow because I plateaued at five centimeters. But then after that, it really went pretty fast with intervention because they had to break my water. Um, but he's, I mean, he's, he's a lover boy. Like he just loves to cuddle. He loves to sleep. He loves to eat. Uh, he loves to play sports. He loves to beat up people. He wants to be a boxer when he gets older. Um, so I don't see really any correlation to his birth that way. And my second one came when he was ready and his was a little bit more painful for me. Um, but totally tolerable. It wasn't that big of a deal. And he's, I mean, he's a man's man. He bangs his head on walls, and <laughs> he's like a little Neanderthal. It's adorable. So I don't know if I believe that, but some women I, I've talked to have told me that they do see a correlation between how their birth goes and how their child um, acts, like their character and their personality. So that's kind of cool to think about. Uh, maybe when you're in labor, you can think about that. Uh, or not, because it's just hard to think about anything when you're in labor. So, um, I want to...
talk a little bit about um, my first, I'm just going to go through my first birth story. Um, so I told you that I, he came a couple weeks early. Um, so I was 38 weeks according to the doctors and I was at work. Uh, I worked at Petco as a manager and I went in for my shift. It was supposed to be a closing shift. So I got there at like 1.15 and walked around to like 2.15 and I was just super uncomfortable. And I didn't have any pain, but I was just uncomfortable. And I told everyone, I was like, hey, I, I, I think I'm going to go home. I just don't feel good. So they let me go home and I sat on my bed and I tried to time what I thought might be contractions. Basically, it was a tightening and a loosening that was going on in my stomach, my whole belly. It would just get tight and then get loose. So I timed it. And now that I look at it, it was pretty erratic. It was like, oh, two minutes in between, four minutes in between, three minutes in between. It wasn't like a steady, uh, but it was very uncomfortable, not painful again at all. So I timed those for a while, and I decided that I would go to the hospital, and they'd probably send me home. But my hospital is about 30 minutes away, so I called my boyfriend's work, and I let him know, hey, you know, I think I'm in labor, so I'm going to go if you want to meet me there. So as I was leaving, I told my cousin and my aunt, hey, I'm going to the hospital, but I'll probably get sent home, so don't worry about it. And they said, all right, we'll see you later. And so I get to the hospital, and my boyfriend met me there, and we're going up. We go to the nurse's station in labor and delivery, and she's like, what can I help you with? And I'm like, oh, I think I'm in labor. And she straight up looked at me. It was this old nurse, and she was like, you don't look like you're in labor. And I remember thinking, like, okay, well, I mean, I don't know if I'm in labor, so maybe you're right. Like, maybe I should just go home right now. So she was like, well, we'll see. And she put me in a room. Excuse me. She put me in the room. And the other nurse came in, and she was younger, and she was really sweet. And she set me up to the monitor, and she's like, yeah, you're having contractions. And I had to ask her. I was like, like, real contractions? And she's like, yeah, like, you're in labor. And I was like, no way, that's awesome. And so she checked me, and I was at, like, three centimeters. And she asked me if I wanted to stay. And normally, if you're not at four, they won't keep you. But I lived 30 minutes away, and my uh, my aunt was a doctor at that hospital, so I think they were just being nice to me. Um, so, I, yeah, I was like, yeah, like, I want to stay. And again, looking back, I should have gone home. I should have labored through um, at home just so I could progress easier and more natural and on my own and not hooked up to all these monitors and stuff. But I didn't know any better. So I sat there and I started texting everybody, hey, guys, I'm in, like, active labor. Um, I'm going to give birth. Like, I'm so excited. You, you should come or I'll keep you posted. And a lot of family came. Um... Even my mom and my little sister came from two hours away. My dad and my stepmom were there. My um, now in-laws were there. Um, my cousin came. There's, I think my aunt and my uncle were there too. I don't even know. There's just so many people there. It was awesome. And they would come in like one by one and talk to me and hang out with me while I was laboring. And I wasn't having any pain the whole time. So the nurses would come in randomly and check me. And I got up to five centimeters pretty quickly. And then uh, for a while, I was just stuck at five. So the next morning, and I got to the hospital, I think, at like 730. 
So the next morning around 9 a.m., my doctor was like, okay, we're going to break your water. So they got everything set up and they grabbed this huge hook. And it's not huge, like thick. It's huge, like long. Um, I want to say it was at least a foot long. And there was just this little hook at the end. And he puts it at me and basically just pulls. And I just felt everything just gush out. It was disgusting and it was warm it was so weird and my cousin and my um, boyfriend were sitting there and they were like that's disgusting <laughs> so that was cool um and I don't remember them like examining the fluid but I'm sure they did to find out if there was meconium or something and they they didn't find that so they didn't alarm me or anything but I really don't remember them checking it so that's kind of weird um, so once that happened around like 9 30 that morning um, things got a little heavier for me. So up to that point, I had no pain at all. And once that happened, I started feeling a little bit more pain. And I, I kind of got excited about it because I was like, hey, this is happening. Like, it's progressing faster. I can feel it. Um, and then once I hit seven centimeters, I was, I was wiggling around the bed in pain. I was, um, almost to the point of crying at that point. And it was really painful. And I don't remember how long it took me to get to seven, but I think it happened pretty quickly. Um, and I remember my dad was probably the best thing that was there for me. And I know that's sad to my boyfriend, my now husband. <laughs> but my dad being there, he grabbed my hand and he just told me to squeeze through it. And he was telling me to breathe. And he was like, you can do this. And now that it's after the fact, I'm like, how did he even know to do any of that? Because my mom had C-sections. She only went into labor with me out of all six kids. So how did he know like, to get through that? I thought that was really incredible, and I think it says a lot about just a father's connection to his daughter. Because um, that was honestly one of the only things that got me through. Again, I was on no medicine at all, and I was dilating pretty quickly and intensely, and... He was really helpful in that moment, and I thank God that he was there, because um, my boyfriend had no clue what to do. So, once one of the, I think it was the same old nurse that was at the nurse's station that was kind of rude to me, she came in and she checked me, and she was like, oh, you're at eight centimeters, but his head is right here, so don't push. And she was like, if you push, you're going to injure his head because it's so soft. And I was like, okay, you got it. And like, I didn't know that that was out of my control, the pushing. You know, I thought, oh, I control that, so I won't do it. No biggie. Um, and not even five minutes later, I was pushing. And, and it wasn't me. It was my body. 100% my body took over, and it started pushing. And I started bawling my eyes out. And I told my boyfriend, I was like, you need to numb me down there because I'm pushing and I'm going to kill him. I thought for sure that I was going to crush his little head. And I was terrified. And I didn't ask for an epidural or anything, but I, said, I specifically said, you need to numb me down there <laughs> so I don't kill him. And then the young nurse came back in and she was like, she's like, I'm sure you're pushing for a reason. And she puts her hand up there and she's like, oh yeah, you're at a 10, you're ready. And I was like, oh my god, thank god I'm not going to kill him. Um, and I started pushing, and that was the best feeling ever. And I know that that's kind of a weird thing to say, but it, it was relieving. So you, the, the pain you feel with a contraction 
uh, hurts, but when you get to push, it's like you're too focused on something else to feel that pain anymore. So it feels really good, and it's kind of like your body's way of going with it. Um, and I do want to mention, as gross as this sounds, um, this is supposed to be an unfiltered <laughs> podcast. So my whole pregnancy, I was terrified about pooping when I gave birth. Um, because I read so many stories about it, and I heard stories, and I was just like, that's gross, I don't want to do it, um, and right when my nurse, um, told me that I was ready, I told her, well, can I go to the bathroom first, because I feel like I need to poop, and she was like, no, honey, like, that's the baby's head, it's right there, so if you gotta poop, just do it, and I was like, but I don't want to, (laughs) so as I started pushing, um, I think I said something to my boyfriend, like, oh, I pooped, I can smell it, or something, he was like, yeah, he did, (laughs) which was awkward. We were in our first year of our relationship, so I'm surprised we lasted past that day. (laughs) Um, But that day, too, I peed in his hand because (laughs) I had to pee in a bedpan after I broke my water, and he had to hold it, and I peed all over his hand. It was great. So, hey, birth is relationship strengthening. (laughs) Um, So anyways, my doctor comes in, and this is at, like, 12.25 or 12.30 and my nurse and my doctor tell me to just push through the contractions and so I do and within two maybe three contractions at the most I push my son out and I felt him come out I swear I felt like the bridge of his nose and his giant head but everything after that was pretty easy he had a really really big head so his body kind of just slid right out after that um But I also remember once he got out, not hearing him cry. And it terrified me. Um, It was only for a couple seconds, and my doctor did this weird throwing him around thing, and he started crying, and I was so relieved after that. But, oh my gosh, those first couple seconds. Because in the movies, it's like they come out crying. And that's just not realistic. They have fluids in there, and they got to take the fluids out. So if you're giving birth to your first sometime soon just don't expect an immediate cry because really they gotta clean him out for them to cry and so that's why he did like the weird um flying him around thing is to clear those passages and then he he did cry um but we didn't know the sex of our baby either so that was like a cool surprise and as he was coming out once they everyone saw the head and we had like I know one doctor for sure, but I think there was like eight nurses in there, probably all of them from the whole floor, and they saw all the hair on his head, and they were like, oh, it looks like it's a girl, and my boyfriend was up, like, closer to my side, and so he was the first one to see that it was a boy, and once he came out, he was like, oh my god, he's a boy, and I I was stoked, Um, so that was a lot of fun, and apparently our nurses had made bets on whether or not I would last without drugs and whether it would be a boy or a girl. And that same nurse who checked me at 10 centimeters and told me to relax, I, I could push, um, she was the one who won both bets. So I was really glad I had her because she clearly had faith in me. <laughs> um, so that was fun. And they immediately put him on my chest, and I was bare chest, and he fell asleep right away. He, like I said before, he was just a sleeper. So he fell asleep, and I got to hang out with him on my chest for, I think it was like an hour straight, but they brought me in some food, um, because I hadn't eaten the whole the whole time I was in the hospital, um, which was 
like 13, 14 hours at that point. So, or no, it was more than that. It was a long time. So that's one thing. If you're going to go to the hospital, eat a lot before you go. Um, but if you're in like real labor, I wouldn't eat a lot because then you're going to poop. And that's just not fun. <laughs> it's not a good memory. Um, but it happens a lot, so I don't feel embarrassed about it. So, uh, yeah, after the one-on-one time I got with him, we went into my other, my actual room where I got to do postpartum, and I just, I mean, the feeling I felt, I was immediately in love with him, I was just in awe, I kept, I just wanted to hold him the whole time, and there were so many people there that waited to hold him, so I let them see him and touch him and whatnot, and, um, I do remember while I was holding him, he was on my chest, that the doctors had to do stuff to me down there. And I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know, like, to expect that. Uh, I was a first-time mom. So, basically, I had to birth my placenta, or his placenta. And that came out easily, but it was like this big bulb, and it just like fell into this trash can at the put at the base of the bed. So that was kind of gross. And then while I'm holding him, they're stitching me up too. Um, I tore just a tiny bit internally. Um, so it wasn't that big of a deal. It wasn't that painful. And he put, put a stitch or two in there um, and told me it was in there and just said, be careful while I, when I pee or when I wipe and whatnot. So we go into the other room and I stand up and I walk to the bathroom and I pee for the first time. And I see in there, they told me there were things in the bathroom for me postpartum, but I didn't know, like, what. So there was this big netted underwear, and then these giant pads, and then there was um, these, like, numbing wipes, and a numbing can, like, aerosol spray, and then there was this plastic water squirter. And... I didn't know what they were for, and I didn't know how to use them, so I went pee, and I felt the burn. So, peeing and having an internal uh, cut, it got, it went and it got in my cut, and it burned. And it wasn't like horrible pain, but it burned. And then I remember trying to wipe the first time, and I was like, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. So I started using the numbing wipes after that, and it was easy, and it was perfect. So, if they offer you those things at the hospitals, use them, because they're there for a reason. Um, and I suggest researching what happens um, postpartum if you're pregnant, because that's things that we really don't think about while we're pregnant. We're just thinking about what's going on now and what we're going to do when the baby's here, but we don't think about what happens to our body. So, um, if you have numbing wipes, if you have numbing spray, use it. It feels good. <laughs> it's relieving. Um, so that was kind of my situation, and I had a hard time breastfeeding. He wasn't hungry, he didn't want to eat, he just wanted to sleep. Um, so we called the lactation nurse in, and she's like, oh, you just gotta get him to taste it, and then once he tastes it, he'll want it more. So she basically fucking milked me. Um, she grabbed my breasts in her hand, and squeezed out the colostrum onto a spoon and then she put the spoon in my baby's mouth and he tasted it and he did want to latch but he couldn't um i don't have 
uh, flat nipples, but I guess I have inadequate nipples still, so they're on the small side, and he couldn't latch onto them. So she gave me a nipple shield, and he latched, and he ate, and it lasted very short. He just wanted to sleep again, so I just let him sleep. But that was a little bit of a struggle. If I didn't have a lactation consultant, that would have been way scarier and more difficult for me. So that's another thing is if you are doing a home birth, still find a lactation nurse that's willing to come by um, in the days after. And make sure you find her before you give birth. Because afterwards, there's just too much going on. You're not even going to... It's going to be too hard to find one and you're not going to be able to focus enough on it. So find that while you're pregnant. And if... If you are having a hospital birth, just make sure that they have one on staff. Most hospitals these days do, so um, that that should help with any issues. First-time moms, even second-time moms, third times, it's never the same. Um, so just make sure that you, that's something you look into as a lactation consultant. Um, yeah, so that was my first. His name is Liam. Like I said, he turned five yesterday. Um He's a great kid. He's super healthy. And I don't think that that he missed out at all for coming early. I, I just think that if I had known better, um, I probably would have let the doctors know that he needed a little bit more monitoring because he was, in my opinion, a little bit earlier than they expected. Um, but other than that, yeah. Um, so to recap, just... Stay strong. If you know when you conceive, just stay strong about your due date. If you know um, how long your cycle is, pay attention to that when it comes to your due date, too, because it does make a huge difference. And watch the business of being born. I can't stress that enough. It's life-changing. And just um, trust your body. Have intuition. Find a lactation consultant prior to giving birth. Um... And again, if you guys have any questions or concerns or topics you want to talk about, if you want to uh, be a guest on here, you can definitely do that. Um, we have our email at pregnancybrainpodcast at gmail.com. Pregnancybrainpodcast at gmail.com. And then we have a website as well, um, which is... Um, sure what it is right now but I'll I'll attach it it's a wordpress pregnancy brain at wordpress somehow I don't know I'll attach it to the notes um so that's all for today and I'll talk to you guys later bye